McDonald's se está transformando en el mundo anime de McDonald's y te trae la nueva savory chili McDonald's sauce. Los mejores sabores se unen en esta legendaria salsa para que tus 10-piece chicken wackduggets, papitas y Sprite se conviertan en un meal ultra poderoso. Desbloquea un manga con tu meal y disfruta de un corto de anime cada semana. Solo en McDonald's. Badabababa, go! En McDonald's participantes por tiempo limitado hasta agotar existencias. Hi besties and welcome to I Am Besties. I'm Stephanie Ramirez. And I'm Vanessa Casares. We're two Latinas coming together to create a space for heart-to-heart chit-chats on everything that matters. From relationship advice to empowering women, exploring spiritual insights and healing trauma, we've got it all covered. We're your go-to besties, sharing personal stories and bringing on inspiring guests for an engaging and entertaining listening experience. I Am Besties, where you'll find laughter, love, and a supportive sisterhood. Join us and be a part of the family. Episodes of Idolo are presented in both English and Spanish. This is the English version. Si quieres escuchar en español, vuelve al feed y selecciona el título en español. This podcast contains graphic language, scenes of violence, and drug use that are not suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. Episode 2. The Fiesta Theory. There are parts of Sinaloa like where my parents grew up where knowing someone who is either in the cartels or who has been hit by cartel violence is common. And it's the kind of place where honor matters and stories about defending that honor are common. And it's exactly that kind of story that is the basis of a very popular theory about who killed Chalino. We are calling it the Fiesta Theory because it's an event that happened at a party. Some versions say it was at a party for a holiday that celebrates the start of the Mexican Revolution, Others just say it was a fiesta or a dance of some sorts. That's the thing about Chalino. His life is full of mystery, his past riddled with holes, so we'll never know exactly what happened. But we've traveled to Sinaloa and talked to people about how things went down. And we've read and watched everything Chalino out there. And based on that and some imagination, we've recreated some scenes which you'll hear every now and then in this podcast. And this first scene, it's not just a theory. It's a big part of Chalino's legend. It's 1972, or maybe it's 1974. Like most things involving Chalino Sanchez, the exact dates are a little blurry. But it's around that time that a teenage Chalino Sanchez is about to get into a dust-up with some grown-ass men just outside Culiacán, Sinaloa. Young Chalino, known around town as a skinny little hothead, is at a local party stalking a man who disrespected his family's honor. Not just any man, a local mafia boss who is at this party with a small but heavily armed entourage. He's surrounded by his men, enjoying the music, eating food, and pouring drinks. And Chalino, well, someone just gave him his first gun as a gift, a simple revolver in the hands of a child ready to do battle. The music and the party begins to fade while Chalino focuses on his objective, revenge. But Chalino is patient. There's no need to rush. He's waiting for the perfect moment, holding on tight with his sweaty teenage hands to the handle of his revolver. 
There's a live band playing tamborazo, and among the commotion and music, Chalino spots his target. Suddenly, Chalino feels his hand pulling the gun from his waistband. It's like he's not even thinking. His body's just moving on adrenaline and instinct. Like I said, what's about to go down at this party is the beginning of the Chalino legend. But according to the fiesta theory, it's also going to result in Chalino's murder some 15 years later. For Futuro Studios and Sonoro, in association with Cinelo Productions, I'm Eric Galindo, and this is Idolo, the ballad of Chalino Sanchez. A show about the man who would become known as the godfather of narco corridos, whose life would become its own kind of legendary drug ballad. McDonald's se está transformando en el mundo anime de McDonald's y te trae la nueva savory chili McDonald's sauce. Los mejores sabores se unen en esta legendaria salsa para que tus 10-piece chicken wagduggets, papitas y Sprite se conviertan en un meal ultra poderoso. Desbloquea un manga con tu meal y disfruta de un corto de anime cada semana. Solo en McDonald's. Badabababa, go! En McDonald's participantes por tiempo limitado hasta agotar existencias. The exact details are a bit fuzzy, but here's what we can put together about the fiesta theory. Chalino left Sinaloa for the United States to work when he was just a teenager. And apparently, he left due to an incident that happened at a party. Many thought that he would never return to Culiacán after that incident. But he did. He returned to his homeland, a rising star, to sing his corridos for a sold-out crowd one night in 1992, and ended up dead the next morning. And according to this theory, Chalino's murder was payback for what had happened at the party when he was a teenager that after all these years, Chalino got what was coming. To go deeper into this theory, we have to go to the place where Chalino's story begins and where my family's from, to Sinaloa. One of the first things you realize when you land in Sinaloa is how hot it is. It's like you can smell the temperature. My mom and dad were born just outside Culiacán, the state capital. My mom grew up on a small rancho, a very similar place to where Chalino grew up, where they didn't even have running water. Even when I visited the rancho as a teenager, you still had to pump the water with your feet while you showered. But the food was so good. Everything was cooked over an open flame on an outdoor stove. I can still taste the farm fresh eggs and handmade flour tortillas. There are mariscos I've eaten in Sinaloa, like a mojara frita that we had by the beach, that I'm pretty sure I will remember on my deathbed. My dad was a city boy, mostly. He grew up all over the place, but primarily in Culiacán, where he and my mother met and fell in love. My mom was selling tortas delicious tortas asada by the side of a major street in the state capital when my father came in for lunch. My dad was kind of a hellraiser in his youth, not unlike Chalino. When he was a student at the university there, my dad was nearly murdered by some narcos for throwing rocks at their car, just for fun. 
a life or death game of chicken in the middle of the morning rush hour. Because that's the kind of hometown we are talking about when we are talking about Chalino's origins. We're narco shoot students. The mariscos are life-changing and carne asada will make you fall in love. It's also the kind of place where you can enter an actual legit raffle to win an eight ball of cocaine using WhatsApp, where narcos wanted by the DEA and FBI can eat dinner in plain sight, and where the cemeteries have crypts that are more luxurious than Las Vegas penthouses. Yo soy Alejandro Mendoza, periodista, productor, músico también. Alejandro Mendoza is the host of the Spanish version of this podcast and a badass reporter based in Mexico City. He went to Culiacán to report the Mexican side of this story. And he's driving around a cemetery in the outskirts of the city called Jardines de Lumaya. This is El Panteón. Alex is with Feliciano Castro, a retired professor from La Universidad Autónoma de Sinaloa, who offered to give a tour through the cemetery. Y ahorita haríamos una especie, un recorrido que pudiéramos denominar de los cenotafios a las mansiones sepulcrales. Right away, through the car window, they see something that catches their attention. Enclosed in a white wall, a few feet away from the entrance, is a small tribute to the Taj Mahal, the famous monument that an Indian emperor built for his dead wife. Eso es el tamaño de una iglesia. Mucho más grande también que algunas casas. Just like the real Taj Mahal, this mini but still decadent-sized version was made for someone powerful. There are many powerful people lying in the cemetery. Not all are narcos, but enough are that Jardines del Maya is known as the Cemetery of the Narcos. The architecture of each mausoleum varies. It's like you're listening to Spotify on shuffle and the music genres played at random. No one grave is similar, but they are mostly enormous. So big, it's easy to forget that this is a cemetery and not a nice neighborhood in the suburbs. In Jardines del Maya, it's common to pay visits to the dead with music and alcohol. And for those that want to keep the party going and are too drunk to drive, some of these mausoleums are set up for overnight stays. We're talking two or three-story mausoleums with parking lots, bedrooms, living rooms, a kitchen, alarm systems in case you are worried about the walking dead, air conditioning, and even Wi-Fi. Es algo así como que la competencia por la ostentación se mantiene aún en la situación del sepulcro. Feliciano says that the war between drug cartels continues into the afterlife as narcos compete for the biggest graves. Culiacán, the capital of Sinaloa, is a contradiction. You can find mausoleums bigger than some houses in my neighborhood here in L.A., and yet it's the region's poverty that leads people to flock to drug cartels for work. And although there isn't much to learn about Chalino at the cemetery, it gives us a glimpse of how organized crime is fundamental to Culiacán, a city Chalino knew very well. Chalino's biography is a combination of facts and legend, but this is what we know. Chalino Sanchez was born Rosalino Sanchez Felix in 1960, the youngest of eight children. 
His parents were Santos and Señorina Sanchez Felix. The Sanchez Felix family was from a small town in a region named Las Tapias. Entonces, por esa zona, baja mercancías de Durango, legales e ilegales. Y, eh, pues, ahí nació Chalino Sánchez. That's Silver Mesa, musician and journalist from Sinaloa. Es una comunidad rural que es entrada hacia la Sierra de Durango. Y, bueno, Durango es una zona también de producción de droga. He explains that Las Tapias is near the mountains of Durango, an area known for growing drugs. It's part of the region known as the Golden Triangle, the center of marijuana and opium production in Mexico since the 1800s. In Las Tapias, there's basically two well-paid jobs, cultivate drugs or be a halcón, a lookout. They're the eyes and ears of the drug cartels. They check who goes in and out of town, who's moving the merchandise. And often, they get in shootouts with rival cartels. And because of that, they are usually heavily armed. Many farmers in the region would grow some poppies or weed in addition to traditional crops to help make ends meet. It's unclear what Chalino's family cultivated, but they were very poor. So it could have just been corn. In 1964, Chalino's dad dies. His family goes from being poor to extreme poverty. As a result, Chalino spent his childhood searching for a father figure by talking to the men of the town listening to their stories. According to his brother Francisco, Chalino was the spoiled one of the family, a restless kid with a hot temper. Unlike most of his siblings, Chalino was able to go to school, but he didn't stay long. That's his brother Francisco speaking in a 2020 documentary about Chalino called King of Corridos. He says he has no idea where Chalino got his smarts from because it certainly wasn't from school. He learned to read and write, but that's about it. All the brothers grew up working on farms to earn enough money to put food on the table. That's the situation Chalino grew up in. It wasn't a good one. And as it happened... He was coming of age just as Las Tapias was becoming a drug trafficking route. It's the early 70s, and Chalino is now a teenage school dropout working on the farm. Around this time, something happens that changes his life forever. According to writer Sam Quinones and several other accounts, a close relative of Chalino's gets kidnapped and assaulted by a local tough guy. It's important to note that we could not independently verify that this incident occurred, and we were unable to get in contact with this close relative. We did talk to members of Chalino's family who denied it outright. They did, however, say that Chalino was involved in a fight for his, quote, family's honor. After the alleged assault, the tough guy skips town, but he has a friend who's still in town, a guy named Hector El Chapo Perez. Not the El Chapo, but another Sinaloan with the same nickname, which means shorty. This guy is bragging to the men in town about how he helped kidnap the Sanchez relative. He's saying degrading things about them in public. When Chalino hears about the kidnapping, he becomes furious and promises, the day that I become a man, 
With the first gun I get, I will bury a bullet in that man's chest. A few years later, Chalino followed through on that promise. According to the legend, Chalino follows Chapo Perez to a party in a town nearby. Imagine, Chalino's somewhere at this party trying to blend in. Days before, he was given his first gun. While the rest of the attendees enjoy the party, Chalino observes Chapo Perez, who is with his brothers and other local drug leaders. Everyone around him is heavily armed. Chalino patiently waits for the right moment. Finally, he walks through the crowd until he reaches Chapo Perez, reaches under his shirt, and suddenly... Chalino shoots Chapo Perez three times point blank. The people start to scream. Chaos ensues at the party. Chapo's people are drunk and confused while his body lays bloody on the floor. And somehow, Chalino, among the chaos, is able to escape without a scratch from his first shootout. The party is ruined. Chalino runs and hides for two weeks in the jagged Sinaloa Mountains. Years later, Chalino told Nacho Hernandez, the leader of his band, that the quickest escape route he found was through a marijuana field. The plants whipped his face as he ran through the greenery. This event was detailed and commemorated in one of the corridos Chalino wrote years later about himself, called Rosalino Sanchez. He left his native land because that's what destiny wanted. Defending his family, that's what Chalino fought for. Goodbye, he said to Culiacan, I'm leaving. I'm headed to see the Blondies in the United States. Chalino knew he would not be able to stay in Sinaloa after killing Chapo Perez, so he headed north for the United States. Years later, he returned to give the famous Death Note concert, and according to the Fiesta theory, Chapo Perez's relatives waited for him with the same patience Chalino had at that fiesta to avenge Perez's death. Although it seems like the beginning of a serialized TV drama or a Tarantino film, these types of stories about violence and taking justice into your own hands are common in a place like Sinaloa. Chalino Sánchez representa todo, güey, todas las características de lo que es un personaje en Sinaloa, güey. Y lo concluye su muerte, güey. That's Luis Romero, a hip-hop artist from Sinaloa better known as Huachabato. He says Chalino is the classic Sinaloan character, all the way to the grave. Como artista, ok, güey, es un vato que conecta con la banda por este timbre de voz y, y por esta parte de que es como alguien de pueblo que se atreve a cantar y que además lo logra, güey. ¿Qué más escenario quieres, güey, como para crear una película de un personaje como Chalino? People in Sinaloa relate to his music because he was one of them. Someone that took a chance at his passion and made it happen. 
and who lived a life worthy of a movie. Chalino never conquered the movie screens, but he was a master on the stage. So much so that even today people recognize him as the true king of corridos. And this is maybe a good time to talk a little bit more about corridos, a music genre with a long history. The corrido as we know it today descends from the Spanish romance of epic poem. Like the poems of that time, corridos tell stories through a verse structure, usually of seven, eight, or even ten syllables. Corridos is a music genre that was born in the Mexican Revolution, and they basically used it to tell stories by word of mouth. That's musician Renee Gauss, who grew up as a border kid in Sonora and Arizona. As Renee points out, the thing that makes a corrido a corrido is that the lyrics tell a narrative, a story, usually about a specific person, stories of brave men and cowards, machos who love to womanize, drink tequila, fall in love, and get their hearts broken. The corrido is present in everyday life in Sinaloa. It's like this. You walk into your favorite taco spot in Culiacan. You see an empty table toward the back, and you decide to walk toward it. You sit down, and next to you, an older man is tuning his guitar. He sits there with a the salt and pepper mustache, cowboy hat, and boots. There's a cane leaning against the wall that belongs to him. He watches as people wait for their tables, readies his guitar, and takes out a pick. He begins to strum the chords. And with a voice that's raspy and out of tune, he starts to sing a corrido. You can tell it comes from the heart. When the corrido ends, he goes over to each table with a shaky hand and collects some change from those sitting at the tables. If the corrido is something intrinsic and important to Sinaloa, then so is Chalino Sanchez. Chalino had formed part of the Sinaloense soundtrack since the 80s and remains part of it years after his death. Here's Sinaloa musician Huachabato again, who not only uses Chalino as a form of inspiration for his work, but who grew up listening to the stories Chalino would turn into corridos. O sea, yo el recuerdo que tengo de Chalino antes de su muerte, güey, son estas camionetas Ford de los ochentas, güey, con unas bocinas y sonando por todo Culiacán, güey. Es como esa típica canción que está de moda, güey, y la escuchas en el radio, pasa un taxi y la trae, prendes el radio local y está sonando, güey. Huachavato says he remembers listening to Chalino from those old 80s Ford pickup trucks that would blast Chalino's music throughout Culiacán. Before the internet, Corridos would go viral in the streets and on the radio. Yo me acuerdo, mi mamá, no sabes, o sea, el disco daba vueltas y vueltas y vueltas en el Infonaido Maya, que es la colonia en la que yo nací, crecí, y mi mamá era una fascinada por escucharlo. Then there are people like Viscocho, a social media personality in Mexico from Culiacán, who commands attention with their pink hair, chic outfits that are always perfectly coordinated, and a thick culichi accent. O sea, es un rollo bien raro en Culiacán. Siento que nos cosemos aparte de otras regiones. 
She also grew up listening to songs by Chalino and Culiacán, but in secret. Yo viví en una cultura muy contradictoria porque por una parte pues a mi mamá le gustaba todo este rollo y por otra parte mi papá dedicaba a la policía. Piscocho says she lived in a divided home when it came to music. Her mom was a fan of corridos, but her dad worked as a police officer. So any kind of narco corrido was forbidden in the house. Entonces narco corridos o de temas norteños, pues no, se estaba prohibidísimo en mi casa, ¿no? But when someone loves something that much, they get creative. Piscocho's mom knew her dad's work schedule and would listen to Chalino when he was not home. As soon as her dad would arrive, she would change the music. Que era música de gente mala, pudiendo haber otras cosas como los Beatles y cosas así. Her dad saw Chalino's music as music for the lower class. It was for bad people. He would tell her, listen to the Beatles instead. But the Beatles didn't sing like Chalino. And Liverpool is a place very different from Sinaloa. For one thing, Liverpool isn't a global capital of drug trafficking. And to really understand Chalino's trajectory, you have to understand how Sinaloa came of age as a drug cartel hotbed at the same time Chalino did. Sinaloa has been the center of the drug trade in Mexico from the start. The first drug traffickers in the early 1900s were from the state's Chinese community, who would buy opium from farmers and sell it in California. The region continued to be a center for marijuana and opium cultivation and smuggling through the mid-20th century, though on a fairly small scale and not very centralized. Fast forward to the 70s, and just as Chalino was becoming a man, Drug trafficking in Sinaloa also matured, thanks to Pedro Aviles, a.k.a. El León de la Sierra, known to history as the first big Sinaloan capo who pioneered the use of airplanes to shuttle drugs. By the end of the decade, Aviles was killed by the Mexican army, leaving the throne to another Sinaloense named Miguel Ángel Félix Gallardo, the man who would be known as El Jefe de Jefes, the boss's boss. He was an ex-cop with a talent for using political connections and corrupt police to help him move his product. He rubbed elbows with the elite of Guadalajara, all while claiming he was an honest hotel owner. Just like Chalino revolutionized corridos, Miguel Ángel Félix Gallardo revolutionized drug trafficking as a profession by uniting other cartels around Mexico to create the first drug trafficking empire. He became the most powerful kingpin of the 1980s, as organized crime reached new levels of power and even reached the national political circle. In 1989, as Chalino's starting to rise as a singer-songwriter, Felix Gallardo was being detained by the Mexican and U.S. authorities for the murder of a DEA agent. You might recognize Gallardo's story, It's been chronicled throughout many years in songs and films. But maybe the most popular take on his life is the Netflix series Narcos Mexico, where actor Diego Luna plays Gallardo as a ruthless and shrewd mob boss. ¿Y tú quién chingados eres? ¿Quién soy yo? Sí, ¿quién eres tú? Miguel Ángel Félix Gallardo, policía del estado de Sinaloa, para servirle. The world that the Sinaloa kingpins of the 70s and 80s created was the world that Chalino would come to live in and make his career in. One of crime, 
violence, displacement, fast money, and ultimately, one of untimely deaths. Many of the men and women whose remains rest back at Jardines de Lumaya, the Narco Cemetery, listen to Chalino's music. And if an afterlife exists for the people buried in those multi-million dollar mausoleums, I bet they're listening to Chalino Sanchez there. Chalino too has a shrine in Culiacan, but it's no mansion. It's on the outskirts of Culiacan next to a dirt road, right in the place where his body was abandoned with two shots to the head. The shrine is rarely visited by fans. It's not a tourist attraction because narcos still leave dead bodies there, right at the feet of the shrine. Maybe it's their morbid tribute to Chalino, or maybe they're just dicks reminding the world of Chalino's grisly murder. But that's today. Some 45 years ago, back at that party, Chalino was the one allegedly leaving bodies in the streets. Our reporter Alex spent several days in Culiacan talking to people about the fiesta theory, but no one he talked to believes that anyone related to Hector and Chapo Perez was responsible for Chalino's murder. It's not like Chalino continued to avoid Sinaloa because of the fiesta shootout. His friends and family say that Chalino traveled to and from Culiacan many times without a problem. Like I said, the fiesta theory seems like the good start of a movie or a Narcos Netflix episode, but it doesn't seem to be the reason Chalino was killed. But it does kind of shed some insight into who Chalino became. And Chalino, by the way, wasn't the only Sanchez fighting for the family's honor. Shortly after the party, Armando, one of Chalino's brothers, was involved in a shootout of his own with another local drug lord named Aparicio Ruiz. The story is as follows. Regulo, yet another one of Chalino's brothers, fell in love with the woman. And being a hopeless romantic, he went to her house to serenade her with mariachis. But this young woman's father was none other than Aparicio Ruiz, a local drug lord known for his bad temper and his fuck-it attitude. The serenade began and was apparently lovely, but Aparicio Ruiz was a hater. In a jealous rage, he came outside drunk and started shooting his revolver at Regulo's feet. The musicians and Regulo ran off immediately. When Chalino's older brother Armando heard about this, he took his 38 Special Semi-Automatic and headed to Aparicio Ruiz's house to defend his brother's honor. After an intense argument, the two men drew their weapons and got into a shootout. Where there had been a serenata for love, there was now an orchestra of death. Armando was shot three times and seriously hurt, but he hit Aparicio five times. Aparicio died right outside his own house where the musicians and Regulo had roused his anger. The story goes, that even though he was gravely wounded and bathed in blood, Armando slowly approached Aparicio's corpse and unloaded the rest of the bullets of his 38 Special into his lifeless body, just in case the last five shots hadn't killed him, because Aparicio had a reputation of being a badass and surviving everything. You know the saying, Yerba mala nunca muere. Armando survived the duel, 
Of course, the incident was immortalized in a Chalino corrido called Los Dos Cabales. It's said that Chalino maintained a low profile after the shootout at the Quinceañera party. He and Armando now had targets on their backs from the murders the two youngsters had committed. So they decided to leave Sinaloa behind. They made their way to the U.S.-Mexico border. Teenage fugitives with a couple of bodies in their names and a whole lot of enemies. In the United States, the Sanchez brothers would eventually choose L.A. as their new home. They would start working for a local mob boss with no arms. He migrated to L.A. in 1977, and then from there he started actually uh, smuggling humans as a coyote. It is said that he used to be a driver for a drug trafficker. It had something to do with some ladies that he got mixed up with, and I think maybe the men in their lives probably didn't like that he was cozying up to them. And there was probably some narco ties, too, as well. And this mysterious kingpin with no arms gives rise to yet another one of those Chalino death theories. Rumor has it that Chalino had an eye on this kingpin's wife. But I'll tell you that story on the next episode of Idolo, The Ballad of Chalino Sanchez. Allá en un pueblo lejano, This podcast is written and reported by Eric Galindo, Alejandro Mendoza, and Juan Diego Ramirez. It's edited by Marlon Bishop and Carmen Graterol, with help from Rodrigo Crespo. It's produced by Juan Diego Ramirez and Liliana Ruiz, with help from Nicole Rothwell, Evelyn Uribe, and Angelina Mosher-Salazar. Executive produced for Sonoro Media by Jasmine Romero and Joshua Weinstein. For Futuro Studios by Marlon Bishop and for Sin Miedo by Eric Galindo. Sound design and mixing by Manuel Para. 
Original music by Hector Fernandez with the help of Alex Mendoza, Carmen Graterol, Jasmine Romero, myself, Eric Galindo, and Juan Diego Ramirez. Performed by Simon Temoxle, Javier Zabaleta, Junior Arismendi, Gerardo Albaran, and Leonardo Cano, a.k.a. Quinto Zurdo. Music supervision by Big Sync. Special thanks to our fixer, Chuy Gallardo. I'm your host, Eric Galindo. Peace out. Peace out.